0: Entertaining, cool. You're to LA Top Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at SapphirePlanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. now entering the sapphire planet You are now in the Sapphire Planet. An earthquake, also known as a quake, tremor, or temblor, is the result of a sudden release of energy in the Earth's crust, that creates seismic waves. The seismicity or seismic activity of an area refers to the frequency, type, and size of earthquakes experienced over a period of time. Earthquakes are measured using observations from seismometers. The moment Magnitude is the most common scale on which earthquakes larger than approximately 5 are reported for the entire globe. The more numerous earthquakes, smaller than magnitude 5, reported by National Seismological Observations, are measured mostly on the local magnitude scale also referred to as the Richter scale. These two scales are numerically similar over their range of validity. Magnitude 3 or lower earthquakes are mostly almost imperceptible or weak and magnitude 7 and over potentially cause serious damages over large areas depending on their depth. The largest earthquake in historic times has been of a magnitude slightly over 9, although there is no limit to the possible magnitude. The most recent large earthquake of magnitude 9 or larger was a 9.0 magnitude earthquake in Japan in 2011, and it was the largest Japanese earthquake since records began. Intensity of shaking is measured on the modified Mercalli scale. The shallower the earthquake, the more damage to structures it causes, all else being equal. At the Earth's surface, earthquakes manifest themselves by shaking and sometimes displacement of the ground. When the epicenter of a large earthquake is located offshore, the seabed may be displaced sufficiently to cause a tsunami. Earthquakes can also trigger landslides and occasionally volcanic activity. In its most general sense, the word earthquake is used to describe any seismic event, whether natural or caused by humans, that generates seismic waves. Earthquakes are caused mostly by rupture of geological faults but also by other events such as volcanic activity landslides mine blasts and nuclear tests an earthquake's point of initial rupture is called its focus or hypocenter the epicenter is the point at ground level directly above the hypocenter. Tectonic earthquakes occur anywhere in the Earth where there is sufficient stored elastic strain energy to drive fracture propagation along a fault plane. The sides of the fault move past each other smoothly and a seismically only if there are no irregularities or asperities along the fault surface that increase the frictional resistance. Most fault surfaces do have such asperities, and this leads to form of slick stick behavior. Once the fault has locked, continued relative motion between the plates leads to increasing stress and therefore stored strain energy in the volume around the fault surface this continues until the stress has risen sufficiently to break through the asperity suddenly allowing sliding over the locked portion of the fault releasing the stored energy this energy is released as a combination of radiated elastic strain, seismic waves, frictional heating of the fault surface, and cracking of the rock, thus causing an earthquake. This process of gradual buildup of the strain and stress is punctuated by occasional sudden earthquake failure is referred to as the elastic rebound theory. It is estimated that only 10% or less of an earthquake's total energy is radiated as seismic energy. Most of the earthquake's energy is used to power the earthquake fracture growth or is converted into heat generated by friction. Therefore earthquakes lower the Earth's available elastic potential energy and raise its temperature, though these changes are negligible compared to the conductive and convective flow of heat out from the Earth's deep interior. There are three main types of fault, all of which may cause an interplate earthquake. Normal fault, reverse fault, also known as a thrust fault and a strike slip fault. Normal and reverse faulting are examples of dip-slip where the displacement along the fault is in the direction of the dip and movement on them involves a vertical component. Normal faults occur mainly in areas where the crust is being extended, such as a divergent boundary. Reverse faults, or thrust faults, occur in the areas where the crust is being shortened, such as a convergent boundary. Strike-slip faults are steep structures where the two sides of the fault slip horizontally past each other. Transform boundaries are a particular type of strip-strike-slip fault. Many earthquakes are caused by movement on the faults that have components of both dip-slip and strike-slip. This is known as an oblique-slip fault. Reverse faults, particularly those along convergent plate boundaries, are associated with the most powerful earthquakes, megathrust earthquakes, including almost all of those of magnitude 8 or more. Strike-slip faults, particularly continental transforms, can produce major earthquakes, up to about magnitude 8. Earthquakes associated with normal faults are generally less than magnitude 7. This is so because the energy released in an earthquake, and thus its magnitude, is proportional to the area of the fault that ruptures and the stress drop. Therefore, the longer the length and the wider the width of the faulted area, the larger the resulting magnitude. The topmost brittle part of the Earth's crust and the cool slabs of the tectonic plates that are descending down into the hot mantle are the only parts of our planet which can store elastic energy and release it in fault ruptures. Rocks hotter than about 300 degrees Celsius flow in response to stress. They do not rupture in earthquakes. The maximum observed lengths of ruptures and mapped faults, which may break in one go, are approximately 1,000 kilometers or 600 miles. Examples are the earthquakes in Chile, 1960, Alaska, 1957, and Sumatra in 2004, all in subduction zones. The longest earthquake ruptures on strike slip faults, like the San Andreas Fault in 1857 and the famous San Francisco earthquake in 1906, the North Anatolian fault in Turkey, which last ruptured in 1939, and the Denali fault in Alaska, which went off in the year 2002, are about half to one-third as long as the lengths along subducting plate margins, and those along normal faults are even shorter. The most important parameter controlling the maximum earthquake magnitude on a fault is, however, not the maximum available length, but the available width, because the latter varies by a factor of 20. Along converging plate margins, the dip angle of the rupture plane is very shallow, typically about 10 degrees. Thus, the width of the plane with the top brittle crust of the Earth can become 50 to 100 kilometers, making the most powerful earthquakes possible. Strike-slip faults tend to be oriented near vertically, resulting in an approximate width of 10 kilometers within the brittle crust. Thus, earthquakes with magnitudes much larger than eight are not possible. Maximum magnitudes along many normal faults are even more limited because many of them are located along spreading centers, as in Iceland, where the thickness of the brittle layer is only about six kilometers. In addition, there exists a hierarchy of stress level in the three fault types. Thrust faults are generated by the highest strike slip by intermediate and normal faults, by the lowest stress levels. This can easily be understood by considering the direction of the greatest principal stress, the direction of the force that pushes the rock mass during the faulting. In the case of normal faults, the rock mass is pushed down in a vertical direction, thus the pushing force equals the weight of the rock mass itself. In the case of thrusting, the rock mass escapes in the direction of the least principal stress, namely upward lifting the rock mass up. Thus, the overburden equals the least principal stress. Strike-slip faulting is intermediate between the other two types described above. This difference in stress regime in the three faulting environments can contribute to differences in stress drop during faulting which contributes to differences in the radiated energy regardless of fault dimension. Where plate boundaries occur within the continental lithosphere, deformation is spread out over a much lower area than the plate boundary itself. In the case of the San Andreas Fault Continental Transform, many earthquakes occur away from the plate boundary and are related to strains developed within the broader zone of deformation caused by the major irregularities in the fault trace. The Northridge earthquake was associated with movement on a blind thrust within such a zone. Another example is the strongly oblique convergent plate boundary between the Arabian and the Eurasian plates where it runs through the northwestern part of the Zagros mountains. The deformation associated with this plate boundary is partitioned into nearly pure thrust sense movements perpendicular to the boundary over a wide zone to the southwest and nearly pure strike-slip motion along the main recent fault close to the actual plate boundary itself. This is demonstrated by earthquake focal mechanisms. All tectonic plates have internal stress fields, caused by their interactions with neighboring plates and sedimentary loading or unloading. These stresses may be sufficient to cause failures along existing fault planes, giving rise to interplate earthquakes. The majority of tectonic earthquakes originate at the ring of fire in depths not exceeding tens of kilometers. Earthquakes occurring at a depth of less than 70 kilometers are classified as shallow focus earthquakes, while those with a focal depth between 70 and 300 kilometers are commonly termed mid-focus or intermediate-depth earthquakes. In subduction zones, where older and colder oceanic crust descends beneath other tectonic plate, deep-focus earthquakes may occur at much greater depths, ranging from 300 up to an astounding 700 kilometers below the surface. These seismically active areas of subduction are known as the Wati-Minoff zones, Deep focus earthquakes occur at a depth where the subducted lithosphere should no longer be brittle due to the high temperature and pressure. A possible mechanism for the generation of deep focus earthquakes is faulting caused by olivine undergoing a phase transition into a spinel structure. Earthquakes often occur in volcanic regions and are caused there both by tectonic faults and the movement of magma in volcanoes. Such earthquakes can serve as an early warning of volcanic eruptions, as during Mount St. Helens eruption in 1980. Earthquake swarms can serve as markers for the location of the flowing magma throughout the volcanoes these swarms can be recorded by seismometers and tilt meters. A tiltmeter is a device that measures the ground slope and used as sensors to predict the imminent or upcoming eruption. A tectonic earthquake begins by an initial rupture at a point on the fault surface, a process known as nucleation the scale of nucleation zone is uncertain, with some evidence, such as the rupture dimension of the smallest earthquakes, suggesting that it is smaller than 100 meters, while other evidence, such as a slow component revealed by low-frequency spectra of some earthquakes, suggests that it is larger. The possibility that nucleation involves some sort of preparation process is supported by the observation for about 40 percent of earthquakes are preceded by foreshocks. Once the rupture has initiated it begins to propagate along the fault surface. The mechanics of this process are poorly understood, particularly because it is difficult to recreate the high sliding velocities in a laboratory. Also, the effects of strong ground motion make it very difficult to record information close to a nucleation zone. Rupture propagation is generally modeled using a fracture mechanics approach lightening the rupture to a propagating mixed-mode shear crack. The rupture velocity is a function of fracture energy in the volume around the crack tip, increasing with decreasing fracture energy. The velocity of rupture propagation is orders of magnitude faster than the displacement velocity across the fault Earthquake ruptures typically propagate at velocities that are in the range of 70 to 90% of the S-wave velocity and this is independent of earthquake size. A small subset of earthquake ruptures appear to have propagated at speeds greater than S-wave velocity. These supershear earthquakes have all been observed during large strike-slip events. The unusually wide zone of damage caused by the 2001 Kunlin earthquake has been attributed to the effects of the sonic boom developed in such earthquakes. Some earthquake ruptures travel at unusually low velocities and are referred to as slow earthquakes. A particularly dangerous form of slow earthquake is the tsunami earthquake. Observed where the relatively low felt intensities caused by the slow propagation speed of some great earthquakes fail to alert the population of the neighboring coast, as in the 1896 Meji Sankrika earthquake. Earthquake clusters. Most earthquakes form part of a sequence related to each other in terms of location and time. Most earthquake clusters consist of small tremors that cause little or no damage. But there is a theory that earthquakes can recur in regular patterns. An aftershock is the earthquake that occurs after a previous earthquake the main shock the aftershock is in the same region of the main shock but always of a smaller magnitude if an aftershock is larger than the main shock the aftershock is redesignated as the main shock and the original main shock is redesignated a foreshock Aftershocks are formed as the crust around the displaced fault plane adjusts to the effects of the main shock. Earthquake swarms. Earthquake swarms are sequences of earthquakes striking in a specific area within a short period of time. They are different from earthquakes followed by a series of aftershocks by the fact that no single earthquake in the sequence is obviously the main shock. Therefore, none have notable higher magnitudes than the other. An example of an earthquake swarm is the 2004 activity at Yellowstone National Park. In August 2012, a swarm of earthquakes shook Southern California's Imperial Valley showing the most recorded activity in that area since the 1970s. Sometimes, a series of earthquakes occur in a sort of earthquake storm, where the earthquakes strike a fault in clusters, each triggered by the shaking or stress redistribution of the previous earthquakes. Similar to aftershocks, but on adjacent segments of the fault, these storms occur over the course of years, and with some of the latter earthquakes as the damaging as the early ones. Such patterns were observed in the sequence of about a dozen earthquakes that struck the North Anatolian Fault in Turkey in the 20th century and has been inferred for older anomalies clusters of large earthquakes in the Middle East. It is estimated that around 500,000 earthquakes occur each year detectable with current instrumentation about 100,000 of these can be felt minor earthquakes occur nearly constantly around the world in places like California and Alaska in the US as well as El Salvador Mexico, Guatemala Chile, Peru Indonesia Iran Pakistan, the Azores in Portugal, Turkey, New Zealand, Greece, Italy, India, and Japan. But earthquakes can occur almost anywhere, including New York City, London, and Australia. Larger earthquakes occur less frequently, the relationship being exponential. For example, roughly 10 times as many earthquakes larger than a magnitude 4 occur in a particular time period than earthquakes larger than a magnitude 5. In the lowest seismicity, the United Kingdom, for example, it has been calculated that the average reoccurrences are an earthquake of 3.7 to 4.6 every year, an earthquake of 4.7 to 5.5 every 10 years, and an earthquake of 5.6 or larger every 100 years. This is an example of the Gutenberg-Richter Law. The number of seismic stations has increased from about 350 in 1931 to many thousands today. As a result, many more earthquakes are reported than in the past, but this is because of the vast improvements of instrumentation rather than an increase in the number of earthquakes. The United States Geological Survey estimates that since 1900 there have been an average of 18 major earthquakes, magnitude 7 to 7.9, and one great earthquake, magnitude 8.0 or greater, per year, and that this average has been relatively stable. In recent years, the number of major earthquakes per year has decreased, though this is probably a statistical fluctuation rather than a systematic trend. More detailed statistics on the size and frequency of earthquakes is available from the United States Geological Survey or the USGS. A recent increase in the number of major earthquakes has been noted, which could be explained by a cyclical pattern of periods of intense tectonic activity interspersed with longer periods of low intensity However, accurate recordings of earthquakes only began in the early 1900s, so it is too early to categorically state that this is the case. Most of the world's earthquakes, 90% and 81% of the largest, take place in the 40,000-kilometer-long horseshoe-shaped zone called the Circumpacific Seismic Belt better known as the Pacific Ring of Fire which, for the most part bounds the Pacific Plate Massive earthquakes tend to occur over other plate boundaries too such as along the Himalaya Mountains With the rapid growth of mega cities, such as Mexico City, Tokyo, and Tehran, in areas of high seismic risk, some seismologists are warning that a single quake may claim the lives of up to 3 million people. Induced seismicity refers to typically minor earthquakes and tremors that are caused by human activity that alter the stresses and strains on the Earth's crust. Most induced seismicity is of a low magnitude. A few sites regularly have larger quakes, such as the Geysers geothermal plant in California which in the past five years has averaged two magnitude four events and 15 magnitude three events every year due to the geothermal plant extraction. There are many ways in which induced seismicity has been seen to occur. In the past several years, some energy technologies that inject or extract fluid from the earth such as oil and gas extraction and geothermal energy development have been found or suspect to cause seismic event. Some energy technology also produces wastes that may be managed through disposal or storage by injection deep into the ground. For example, waste water from oil and gas production, and carbon dioxide from a variety of industrial processes may be managed through underground injection. A column of water in a large and deep artificial lake alters the in-situ stress along an existing fault or fracture. In these reservoirs, the weight of the water column can be significantly changed and the stress on the underlying fault or fracture by increasing the total stress through direct loading or decreasing the effect of stress through the increased pore water pressure. This significant change in stress can lead to sudden movement along the fault or fracture resulting in an earthquake. Reservoir-induced seismic events can be relatively large compared to other forms of induced seismicity. Though the understanding of reservoir-induced seismic activity is very limited, it has been noted that seismicity appears to occur on dams with heights larger than 330 feet or 100 meters. The extra water pressure created by large reservoirs is the most accepted explanation for seismic activity. Induced seismicity is usually overlooked due to cost cutting during geological surveys. The first case of reservoir induced seismic activity occurred in 1932 in Algeria's Aoud Dam. The 6.3 magnitude 1967 Konyangir earthquake occurred in Maharashtra, India with its epicenter, four and aftershocks all located near or under the Konyo Dam Reserve. 180 people died and 1,500 were left injured. The effects of the earthquake were felt 140 miles away in Bombay with tremors, and power outages. During the beginnings of the Vangente Dam in Italy, there were seismic shocks recorded during its initial fill. After a landslide almost filled the reservoir in 1963, causing a massive flooding and around 2,000 deaths, it was drained and consequently seismic activity was almost non-existent. On August 1st, 1975, a magnitude 6.1 earthquake at Orville, California, was attributed to seismicity from a large earth filled dam and reservoir recently constructed and filled. The filling of the Katsi Dam in Lesotho, and the Nurik Dam in Tanjakistan is an example. In Zambia, Caribbean Lake may have provoked similar effects. The 2008 Sichuan earthquake, which caused approximately 68,000 deaths, is another possible example. In an article in Science magazine, it is suggested that the construction and filling of the Zipingyu Dam may have triggered the earthquake. Some experts worry that the Three Gorges Dam in China may cause an increase in the frequency and intensity of earthquakes. Earthquakes can be recorded by seismometers up to great distances. Because seismic waves travel through the whole Earth's interior, the absolute magnitude of a quake is conventionally reported by numbers on the moment magnitude scale, formerly Richter scale, magnitude 7 causing serious damage over large areas whereas the felt magnitude is reported using a modified Mercalli intensity scale that goes from 2 to 12. Every tremor produces different types of seismic waves, which travel through rock with different velocities. Longitudinal P waves, also known as shock or pressure waves, Transverse S waves are both body waves and surface waves, also known as love waves. Propagation velocity of the seismic waves ranges from approximately 3 kilometers per second up to 13 kilometers per second, depending on the density and elasticity of the medium. In the Earth's interior, the shock or P waves travel much faster than the S waves, approximately 2 to 1. The difference in travel time from the epicenter to the observatory are a measure of the distance and can be used to imagine both sources of the quake and structures within the earthquake. Also, the depth of the hypocenter can be computed roughly. In solid rock, P waves travel about 6 to 7 kilometers per second. The velocity increases within the deep mantle to 13 kilometers per second. The velocity of S waves ranges from 2 to 3 kilometers in light sediments and 4 to 5 kilometers per second in the Earth's crusts up to 7 kilometers per second in the deep mantle. As a consequence, the first waves of a distant earthquake arrive an observatory via the Earth's mantle. On average, the kilometer distance to earthquake is the number of seconds between the P and S waves times 8. Slight deviations are caused by inhomogeneities of subsurface structure. By such analysis as seismograms, the Earth's core was located in 1913 by Benio Gutenberg. Earthquakes are not only categorized by their magnitude, but also by the place where they occur. The world is divided in 754 Flynn-Engerstahl regions, or FE regions, which are based on political and geographical boundaries as well as seismic activity. More active zones are divided into smaller FE regions, where less active zones belong to larger FE regions. The effects of earthquakes are included but not limited to the following. Shaking and ground rupture Shaking and ground rupture are the main effects created by earthquakes, principally resulting in more or less severe damage to buildings and other rigid structures. The severity of local effects depends on the complex combination of earthquakes' magnitude, the distance from the epicenter, and the local geological and geomorphological conditions, which may amplify or reduce wave propagation. The ground shaking is measured by ground acceleration. Specific local geological, geomorphological, and geostructural features can induce high levels of shaking on ground surface, even from low intensity earthquakes. This effect is called site or local amplification. It is Principally due to the transfer of the seismic motion from the hard, deep soils to soft, superficial soils and to effects of seismic energy, focusing only to typical geometrical settings of the deposits. Ground rupture is a visible breaking and displacement of the Earth's surface along the trace of the fault which may be the order of several meters, in the case of major earthquakes. Ground rupture is a major risk for large engineering structures, such as dams, bridges, and nuclear power stations, and requires careful mapping of existing faults to identify any which are likely to break the ground surface within the life of the structure. Earthquakes, along with severe storms, volcanic activity, coastal wave attack, and wildfires, can produce slope instability, leading to landslides, a major geological hazard. Landslide dangers may persist while emergency personnel are attempting to rescue. Earthquakes can cause fires by damaging electrical power or gas lines, In the event of water mains rupturing and loss of pressure, it may also become difficult to stop the spread of fire once this has started. For example, more deaths in the 1906 San Francisco earthquake were caused by fire than by the earthquake itself. Soil liquefaction occurs when, because of the shaking, Water-saturated granule materials such as sand temporarily lose its strength and transforms from a solid to a liquid. Soil liquefaction may cause rigid structures like buildings and bridges to tilt or sink into the liquefied deposits. For example, the 1964 Alaska earthquake. Soil liquefaction caused many buildings to sink into the ground and to eventually collapse upon themselves. Tsunamis are long wavelength, long period sea waves produced by the sudden or abrupt movement of large volumes of water. In the open ocean the distance between the wave crests can surpass 100 kilometers, or 62 miles, and the wave periods can vary from 5 minutes to 1 hour. Such tsunamis travel 600 to 800 kilometers per hour, or 375 to 500 miles per hour, depending on the water depth. Large waves produced by an earthquake or a submarine landslide can overrun nearby coastal areas in a matter of minutes. Tsunamis can also travel thousands of kilometers across open oceans and wreak destruction on far shores hours after the earthquake that generated them. Ordinarily, subduction earthquakes under the magnitude 7.5 on the Richter scale do not cause tsunamis. Although some instances of this have been recorded, most destructive tsunamis are caused by earthquakes of a magnitude 7.5 or more. A flood is an overflow of any amount of water that reaches lands. Floods occur usually when the volume of water within the body of water, such as a river or lake, exceeds the total capacity of the formation as the result of some of the water flows or sits outside the normal parameter of the body. However, floods may be secondary effects of earthquakes. If dams are damaged, earthquakes may cause landslips to dam rivers which collapse and causes floods.